Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the final episode of every A24 movie on Blu-ray and the return of every horror movie on Netflix. We are happy to announce that the uh, Writers Guild and SAG strikes are both over. Very happy for all the talent that uh, got the fair deal they deserve. Uh, But we're a little sad for ourselves because we are going back to reviewing Netflix movies and also sadder because we have one final remnant of the A24 movie reviewing era. Tusk, which was my pick, uh, which I called in for my little jigsaw tape from Japan. Uh, But anyways, I haven't said who I am yet. I'm Patrick, and I'm here with, as usual, Chris. Hey! And Steven. Hey, guys. And returning guest, Allison, with an I. Hey, everyone. I'm back. It is great to be here with you all to discuss Tusk. I want to hear what your your backgrounds were with Tusk and what expectations you went into this movie with. But first, as always, uh, we always do a little horror catch-up at the top of the show to talk about what we've been reading, watching, etc. in the horror world. It's been a little while. What have you guys been enjoying lately? Well, f- I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that the strike is over. Gotta talk oh, about yeah. that. Uh, and again, I think we can take credit for it. And our, our pressure <laughs> campaign worked, and I hear they have settled on a contract. Rory Kinnear will no longer be allowed to play eight <laughs> roles in a movie. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's a, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, they've come up with a fair contract, <laughs> so... Uh, on to better things. Um, a little bit of a, another uh, catch up or a little another thing that will rhyme with the last episode. I uh, The only thing I have to report in horror catch up is I played Five Nights at Freddy's or I started it and the very first one. And I was very curious, having seen the movie, what that would be like. And I got to tell you, first of all, it scared the shit out of me. Secondly, I am so enamored with the simplicity of the game design. I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought like it was going to be like a survival horror game. You got to move around. You got to crawl through the ducks. Maybe they get to that in later installments of the game. But the original is you're sitting your ass in a chair. You're sitting your ass down and you're listening. And you're listening to spooky shit in the halls. And you're all you have are, are as two halls on either side. And you have a button for a door and a button for a floodlight on each of the doors. And then you have a little iPad that shows you all the surveillance cameras in the building. And your mission is just to not let something come through the door and eat you. And I was surprised how such a simple concept and such a static image of this security room was able to conjure up uh, a surprising amount of dread. And I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I have not made it through the first night yet, so I didn't play very much. But I feel like I got the point, and uh, whoever designed this thing is a genius and deserves all the money that he made from all the 49 games and the subsequent uh, or soon-to-be-released 30 movies. So I have two questions about this. Uh, it, it, isn't this like a vintage video game of some sort? Hasn't this been around for like a long time? Or you said iPad, which was what prompted the question. No, it's been around since like 2013 or something. Oh, or something. Okay. It's just it has a it has a retro aesthetic. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And second question, are there any Josh Hutcherson dream sequences involved in the game? No, you're supposed to have those on your own after <laughs> you finish playing the game and you go to bed. Okay, very good. Well, Allison, our returning guest, uh, what have you been enjoying lately? Oh, my gosh. 
the last time I was in the episode when we talked about A24's men, um, in my horror catch-up, I had seen a lot, read a lot, but I was angling to see uh, When Evil Lurks. Mm -hmm. uh, it was at the top of my list, and I managed to do that, and oh my god, y'all. I saw it too. I saw it, it too. It was like so good. What a breath of fresh air. I this saw like on, on Instagram, you posted like the 12 movies that you need to see to understand who I am as a person. And you put it on that list. So it must have been pretty good. I had to put one horror movie on there because it was like, you know, I couldn't sleep. Only one? People are, people are doing this trend. I know it could have. I should have. But listen, I could do like 12 of my favorite horror movies in just one, you know, sitting. But I, I was trying to round out who I was as a person, right? This is like, get to know me as a, as a whole ass individual. But <laughs> I did put When Evil Lurks on there just because it was the latest, greatest horror movie that I have seen. And oh my God, go and see it. If you haven't, it is incredible. It's It's gruesome. It's gory. It's guts. It's so fucking good um yeah what do you think about it steven i fucking loved it this movie allison and i were texting about this movie and allison you put it beautifully and simply this movie goes there this movie goes so fucking hard it does what you want it to do and then it surprises you at every turn as well um but just the basic setup this is i think an argentinian film um i'm not going to look it up right now it's it's in spanish yeah, though is. i believe and it's about two brothers who like live in a rural countryside and they unwittingly start a like a pandemic of of possessed people in their town. Many stranger things. I mean, it's just, it's so weird and gory and gross and strange. And y'all know I hate possession movies, but I thought this was a banger, probably in my top five of this year. Hmm. Yeah, same. That's a shutter joint, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Nice. Anything else, Allison? You know, I've been diving into some old true crime if i'm being honest and i'm dating myself here but i've been like going deep into the john benet ramsey case oh, <laughs> which no. is so so strange but i feel like you know i'm a true crime fan and i've kind of like you know gone down the rabbit hole in a few cases but that was one that was just you know i was too young and i just didn't have any desire to learn about it until i don't know pretty recently but I don't know if and if any of y'all have have gone down that rabbit hole in that case, or or if any of you really like true crime that much. But whoo, what a ride! What a crazy story! I mean, and who like, did it? Yeah, are there any emerging theories? You know, can you, can many you say who did it, or is that is that libel? Can we? <laughs> I mean, I know who I think did it. Um, but yeah, there's like <laughs> who, three who, or four. Who different... do you think did it? <laughs> I think her. I think her eight year old brother did it. Her nine year old oh. brother did it. Yeah, oh. and I think that the parents that covered one. for him because they didn't want to lose two kids, and he's a stone cold weirdo. And um, you know, he didn't <laughs> he did an interview on CNN like I don't know a couple years ago, a couple few years ago, and he's still a weird ass dude. And like the whole family was weird. It's just a really gripping story, and the fact that it's gone unsolved this long. And her mom died, and like potentially took a big secret to her, you know, to the grave. It's crazy. So if any of the listeners uh, have gone down that rabbit hole too, I hope I hope you can empathize with me. It's been a weird, weird couple of days. But apart from that, no other uh, fake horror that I've been <laughs> indulging myself in. 
Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to talk about true crime. <laughs> it's, it, it feels like uh, sometimes I listen to our sport local sports radio station, and like during lunchtime, they'll always throw in some hot button political issue. So they'll be like, "We're talking Red Wings. We're talking Pistons. Get on the phones. Let me know what you think of the Lions draft picks. Let us know what you think about Roe v. Wade." <laughs> and it's like, all right, like you're out of your wheelhouse. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different podcast. There's a million true crime podcasts. This is yeah. not that, but yeah. you know, it's still horror. It's just real life. Crazy yeah. people being crazy. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, I discovered a new one last night that I'm excited to dig more into. I don't even know how I stumbled on this. Um, it's it's produced by BBC Channel 4. It's called The Uncanny, and it's kind of like Spooked, which I know Chris is a huge fan of. I'm not um, a huge fan. I like the concept of Spooked and because I like Snap Judgment. I would say the median Spooked episode, I do not enjoy as much as the median Snap Judgment episode. That's fair. Spooked often goes in one ear and out the other, but when it's good, it's really fucking good. And part of that is like like uh, the people who are being interviewed are generally skeptics, but they don't know how to explain something that happened to them. And the premise of the uncanny is essentially people are brought on to tell a ghost story each episode or a supernatural story or a UFO story. And the premise is essentially, I don't believe in ghosts, but I saw something I can't explain. Like one, the one that I listened to was like, like a, uh, um, like a science professor or something. It was like, I think all that's bullshit, but this happened to me. It still haunts me. He tells his story and then they bring in a couple of like paranormal experts to analyze the story and figure out if they can find a logical explanation for what happened. And then the gentleman finishes the story and it's a, it's a fun format um, that I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into um, because I, 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 I like to hold the possibility that, that there are strange forces out there that we can't explain and that even the rational mind uh, can still be intrigued by them and, and drawn to probe deeper into them. Um, <laughs> All right, Patrick, it's been a while. What have you been up to? What horrors did you encounter in Junji Ito's native land? <laughs> yeah, you were just in Japan. Is it as scary as it is in J-horror? Oh, no. It was it was beautiful. It was really lovely. I can't wait to go back. Didn't really see a ton of like horror content to report on there, so I don't think I have anything super relevant to, to bring to the table from Japan, but it was a delightful time. I've been consuming tons of horror, but I'm going to narrow it down to kind of just two things. Uh, since it was just Thanksgiving, I don't know, and maybe Stephen and Allison, you guys got to see this, but I did go see Thanksgiving. Did you guys wind up checking that out or no? We've tried. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, uh, okay. I actually really enjoyed it. I, I think I'm kind of in line with the general consensus on it. It is <laughs> by far my favorite Eli Roth movie. It's just fun and over the top. Uh, it flew right by for me and I had a good time with it. There's not too much else to be said for it. It's, it was in one ear out the other, but I had a good time for the hour and a half or whatever it is that I was in the theater. I've also been on a big Hellboy kick. I watched all the Hellboy movies. Well, actually, the, the Del Toro movies were rewatches for me. But then I checked out the David Harbour uh, recent uh, reboot, which I was like, okay, how bad can this be, really? Like, David Harbour, that's good casting for Hellboy. But it is just so weirdly soulless and uh, just a, just a really bizarre experience because theoretically ingredients for a fun movie are there but it just does not come together and i was also interested to see that uh neil jordan the great great director who's made several incredible horror movies and and did uh 
this new Hellboy has completely disowned it and and just said like there's nothing of me in that movie. Basically, the studio ruined it. So is it? Wait, it's not Neil Jordan. It's um. Neil Marshall, right? Oh, sorry, Neil Marshall. I yeah, do that right. all the time with yeah. those two as well. <laughs> but Neil Marshall is also a, a very good director, right? Am I yeah, or am yeah. I mixing this up? Who he didn't didn't he do uh, fucking he Dog Soldiers and Dog okay. Soldiers? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Neil Marshall. But anyways, that was a weird experience. But it also prompted me to go back and start reading, kind of doing a read through of the Hellboy comic books, and that's been a delight so far. Uh, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy, if you're not familiar with him, he is just fantastic and one of the most singular uh, visual stylists out there. So if you've watched the Hellboy movies, but maybe not dug into the comic books, I would highly recommend those because Mignola is incredible and he brings on so many remarkable artists to work with him over the course of that series. Uh, Richard Corbin, who's incredible, uh, did a brief run on that that I'm looking forward to getting into, which is also the inspiration for the next Hellboy reboot. We'll see how that goes. Um, Is it Mignola spearheading that? Uh, yeah, I want to say he's producing or maybe co I think he, I think he actually co-wrote it, which is a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's playing the new Hellboy, but, um, yeah. Anyways, Hellboy Thanksgiving. That's what I've got. But let's what talk the hell about did we watch for this week. Then uh, I was just about to say, let's talk about a true monster, Kevin Smith. <laughs> uh, we're discussing Kevin Smith's Tusk today, um, and this movie I chose because it was an A twenty four movie, which is kind of a weird outlier. I want to say among their their horror output. It is based on an episode of Kevin Smith's podcast, The Smodcast, in which they received what turned out to be a, an entirely fictionalized prank letter from a listener kind of describing the strange scenario in which a man was seeking a lodger to live at his house and dress up as a walrus. That was the one condition was that two hours a day. The guy had to dress up as a walrus. So Kevin Smith and his co-host spend almost an hour spinning out this story of like a horror movie based around this concept and then ended up turning it into this actual movie. Uh, spoiler alert, I did actually also listen to the podcast. I so did too. I'll be, oh, oh, you nice. did? Okay, so we can bring some pearls of wisdom uh, to this conversation today, Stephen. <laughs> it was over a week ago, but I, I can give you my general impressions later. Yeah, it, yeah, it was It was just uh, about an hour ago for me, right before I got on the, the Zoom for this. But the basic setup here is uh, Justin Long and Haley Joel Osment play a couple of uh, kind of douchey more than that well douchey there's no kind of about it podcasters um you know essentially probably thinly veiled versions of kevin smith and his co-host whose name i forget uh justin long finds uh, happens to find an ad for a guy making a similar offer to come stay with me i'll tell you incredible stories and surprise surprise the guy winds up wanting to turn him into a walrus thin premise thin plot Spread over an hour and 43 minutes. Discuss. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, why did you decide to torture us with this? I mean, this seems like, first of all, this seems like a movie yes. we could have watched 
during our regularly scheduled program on Netflix. It's, it's right. on and off there. Well, and interestingly, this had been on and off Netflix, and it was on and off my list of movies to pick for oh. regular Amon for a while. But I don't know. We had just been watching uh, mostly kind of prestige arty kind of films in this journey through A24 movies. And, you know, even before the strike was over, I just picked this because, uh, yeah, it, it felt like a little break from that format that we were sinking into. Um, you know, Chris always says the, the podcast isn't just to watch good movies. Um, and so I was like, let's watch something that I fucking hated and that I was pretty sure you guys hadn't seen. So I was curious to, to get your take on it. You know, I, I, I said as much that I did not like this movie when I picked it um, last episode. But I'm, I'm quite curious. I would love to have someone come out of the woodwork as a Tusk enthusiast or defender on this episode. What was not going to be was, me. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> like, what was y'all's uh, past uh, experience or, or sort of preconceived notions about this movie? I know I think, Stephen, you said, like, you had avoided going to a couple of parties because you suspected that this film might be watched at them. It, 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 as soon as this thing was announced, I was like, I don't like Kevin Smith. I don't like a single one of his movies. I, I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy, but he also seems like a self-absorbed douche. And uh, I thought this was just the most, just the dumbest premise and origin story for a movie I had ever heard. Who Now, I'll have to qualify this. <laughs> who who wants to see a movie based on a joke on a stupid podcast? Now, I want to see Pizza Face Killer. <laughs> That's my qualification. But like, come on. And like, it was very clear from when this thing was announced. that Like, there's not really going to be any. It's just a joke. It's just it's a joke. It's meant to gross you out. There's not going to be any subtext. And it's also going to be a fucking Kevin Smith movie. And it's going to be filled <laughs> with his douchey humor i mean down to like the podcast is called the the nazi cast and they're like the oh, it's fun the nazi party. party the nazi party. party but like it's supposed to be funny that like it's it's nazi but it's not c but also the lead up to why it's called the nazi cast doesn't make any fucking sense and it's such a long walk to a dumb joke i knew all this when this came out and i thought why would i subject myself to this this is made for <laughs> morons by a moron <laughs> I don't I know everything I need to know about it. And I spoilers, that is true. I don't feel like I've gained anything by having actually seen it. The trailer told me everything. So I'm totally on board with your Kevin Smith hate. Well, actually, no, not totally. I, he's he's made like two to three movies that I actually like, but for the most part, I find him pretty intolerable. Honestly, as a comics fan, the most offensive thing t- to me about him is how he just like carries the water for like anything fucking DC or Marvel will ask him to go like fucking shill for. And that, that is honestly the most upsetting thing about to me, but that, uh, but, but that, that's a tangent. Allison, what was your uh, kind of, you know, again, preconceived notions or previous knowledge of this movie going into it? I had none. I had none uh, until it was announced uh, while you were from your, your, audio that you sent from when you were in Japan, that that was the movie that you chose. And then the the reception <laughs> that <laughs> Steven and Chris gave was not good. So I guess my first real impression was like, okay, this thing's going to be a whole thing. So I think it's great that I, I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't have any bad preconceived notions. I didn't have any good. I went into it pretty much blind. You well, but you were excited by the pick. You wanted to come back for a second episode, a second consecutive episode. Because Is that of this how pick, that right? went? Is oh, that's that what I was told. That that's what I was told. <laughs> no, she just likes our company. Oh, I do. Oh, I just okay. like your company. Oh. Um, no, I'm so glad to be back here for this pick. And you know, I would have probably never have 
had another reason to watch this movie. It wouldn't have scored high on my, you know, list of things to watch. And I'm not sad that I saw it. You know, I don't feel like it was a complete waste of time. Um, I find Justin Long completely insufferable. And yeah. I feel like Justin Long was playing Justin Long in this movie. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was like he was his normal punchable self. And yep. um, yeah, so I didn't have any real uh, reservations or any other emotions about it going into it. But am I glad I watched it? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I, Chris, I'm going to be Jerry Springer and ask you to open your baggage. Did you have any? <laughs> did you have any coming into this movie? So I have a positive impression of Kevin Smith. I have only ever seen before this movie his movie Red State, which I thought was all right, but nothing to write home about. Um, I really, I never saw Clerks. I never saw any of the stuff that he's known best for. I have not seen any of his other work. I have never listened to his podcast. I have seen various interviews and, and talks that he's given on YouTube and just, you know, TV or whatever. And he strikes me as a decent guy. Uh, I, I can't speak to his fanboyism as it affects the comics world. That's uh, beyond my. Ex- now you've gone beyond my expertise, as, as RFK would say. Um, but <laughs> the uh, he, I, I, I root for him. Obviously, Clerks is one of the landmark moments in independent film history. If I if I'm remembering the a tale of that correctly, he just said, I'm going to make a movie at a time when independent film was very uh, nascent. He maxed out his personal credit cards, did it all on his own, shot the movie in black and white, I think, because uh, it's supposed to take place during the day, but they had to shoot it at night and he couldn't control the light. So that's why he shot it in black and white. It's, Mm. it's It's as do it yourself as it gets. And so he will always be on the Mount Rushmore, I think, of independent filmmaking um, for just showing people what's possible. This movie I only knew of by reputation, and the reputation is is what you guys just said. Oh, it's a punchline. Oh, it's gross. Oh, it's Kevin Smith being juvenile. Oh, it's a troll, et cetera, et cetera. So my expectations were on the floor. I really fucking like this movie, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Two surprises in a row. And you're I, sure yeah. you didn't have a monster before we recorded? I'm positive. No. Okay. No, I, this, is, I, this is totally sincere. I'm not trying to troll you. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I'm not trying to make the show more interesting. I mean, you can look at my text. I've told other people they should watch this movie. Um, I... With a few caveats. Now that should be criminal. That's criminal. With a few caveats, uh, I liked it a lot. And and I guess, you know, maybe I'm giving them too much benefit of the doubt, but a lot of the criticisms that you guys had of this movie, I think um, uh, are, are features and, and in there deliberately. I, I hope at least that the insufferable podcasts, uh, the, the insufferable podcasters in this movie are not Kevin Smith trying to be autobiographical <laughs> or like, oh, here's my idea of cool podcasters. I think we're supposed to think they're fucking obnoxious. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he's I think he's sort of a self-loathing podcaster, maybe like some of us. 
where we're like, oh, we have a podcast and oh, this is this is at my worst day. This is how I see myself on my podcast. <laughs> um I, I think that might be sort of what they're what they're going up as. I like Justin Long. I think he's a good actor. I, I like he was just in the new Goosebumps series on Disney Plus as like a grown ass man. Um, I think he's fine. I think he was shoehorned into those sort of obnoxious boyish uh, man child roles. But again, we're not supposed to root for him in this movie, really. Um, so I had no problem with him. Um, I could go on, but uh, we can we can talk about something now. Well, we yeah, let's more, what I liked. go on. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's delve into a couple of those points because I mean, obviously, it is uh, I think intentional that these characters are terrible. You know, they're they're yeah. they're shitty. They do all kinds of shitty shit. Justin Long's an asshole to his girlfriend. Yada yada. My problem with it is, who the fuck are you supposed to like in this movie? That's where I really got bogged down is everyone sucks. You know, even the old guy who like is turning him into a walrus who does have some motivation for doing that. It's like, I still didn't feel any sympathy for this motherfucker. Like he's still killing people and torturing them and doing horrible things to them. Uh, you know, Justin Long's fellow podcaster, Haley Joel Osmond is also an asshole. Uh, his girlfriend is cheating on him with his fellow podcaster. Like, there's no one to hang your hat on in this movie. And so, you know, by the time you get to the horrifying things that happen to him and how he responds to them, it's just like, who do I actually care about? There's nobody to care about in this movie. That's one of the most upsetting things about it to me. My problem was like, okay, I, there are plenty of plenty of works of fiction, film or otherwise, about unlikable characters. Sure. Um, the writing just sucked in this. I mean, it's got it's got the stru- the, the structure is fine. It's like it, you know, it's a typical like almost like Sid Field. Like somebody read a Sid Field book and wrote a screenplay. Like pretty bulletproof on that angle if you're gonna write a movie about a guy who gets turned into a walrus but like the jokes are i want to be at at a certain point i want to be laughing at how shitty these people are and i feel like kevin smith is too full of himself over over is too full of himself over the bad jokes that he writes for them you know like it just felt like there's something a little missing in this it wasn't clever enough because it's too close to the bad jokes that him and his yeah, actual fellow podcast host make on their own podcast. I mean, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to listen to the podcast that this came from. Was I was like, I suspect that like this guy's dopey voice and his dopey jokes, because I've seen some Kevin Smith movies, are how Kevin Smith behaves on his podcast. And I was right. Like, it's the same dumb shit. Like, it's not quite as, uh, I guess, misogynistic as their humor veers at times in the movie. But mostly it's the same dumb shit so it is you know there is some conflation of his himself and his podcast persona with this character and i do believe that kevin smith is not like an asshole like this character is but he's the same level of unfunny at least to me yeah he's definitely not i think kevin smith is seems like a perfectly nice guy sure he he loves to fuck his wife and i'm sure he's not cheating on her i'm sure you've all seen the the tweet that gets resurfaced every oh, few yeah. years. I think that tweet <laughs> I think that tweet similar to a lot of stuff in this movie was written deliberately to be the worst tweet he could possibly post or something what's like the, that. What's the tweet? 
I, I'm not. We don't need to repeat. You can look it up, but we don't need to talk about it. On <laughs> I'll, this, find, on it. No, this no, I'll find it. Don't family show. We don't need to talk about that. Ten years uh, in, and we bone like we're cheating on each other. Yeah, good for them. And and, and he goes on. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> oh, it's like oh. it's it's like the book in Ouija Origin of Evil, where he's like he's tortured, he's murdered, but the diary doesn't stop there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just read it real quick because I have no shame. Ten. Years, this is from July 9th, two thousand nine, two forty three p.m. Um, just just up for, that, just, that's relevant. Just up from a nap, and here's Kevin Smith at that Kevin Smith. Ten years in, and we bone like we're cheating on each other with each other. A decade plus, and her clit slash brown slash taint area still pones my dick. Oh. oh, it did. There was more to it. Yeah. Did you just say oh brown God. area? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yep. yep that's what our boy. Anyway. Yeah, man. Well, look, so look, I'm I'm I am, again, pretty ignorant of Kevin Smith. I don't know his personality. I don't know his sense of humor that well. I haven't seen his other movies to me. I thought the sense of humor in this movie was was spot on because I thought that I was supposed to revile the the really obnoxious jokes and I was really drawn into how the scenes were constructed and the character especially of Howard Howe played by Michael Parks who was also the lead in the uh John, the Jonestown-esque uh, equivalent guy in Red State who is a fucking prolific actor who's done a whole bunch of shit that our fucking dads and grandpas would know but we Rest know him peace. from like Tarantino movies and shit but what a fucking actor this guy is and he blew me away in this movie and I could sit and listen to him all fucking night and I didn't mind when they were like oh here's a 20 minute Michael Parks monologue because I thought he embodied this character especially in his early scenes so well where he's like I've talked to old people like this and they have that like that sort of wide eyed thousand yard stare sort of thing and they're telling you the story of their life and i just love how he played that and i thought it was hilarious especially as the stories got more and more ridiculous and he's telling them all with a straight face and i just i just thought it was great i don't know i i liked the humor a lot i was laughing a lot in the quiet moments i would have hated to see this movie in a theater much less a theater with like kevin smith fans because kevin smith might be all right but his fans can be a bit of a scourge sorry um <laughs> i would hate to see this movie with a laugh track having people around me hooting and hollering in places that i didn't think were funny or, or uh, you know i saw the hateful eight on opening night and Ooh. the laugh the laughter was in all the wrong places on that one um, <laughs> all right. Well, well, Michael Parks. Let's let's touch on that because that's a point on which I fully agree with you. Michael Parks, phenomenal actor. He's immensely compelling in this. Kevin Smith writes him some decent monologues, but still, it's like uh, to what end? You know, it's like uh, giving me a pile of shit and putting like a, a cupcake in the middle of it or something. It's like, it's still surrounded by a pu puddle of shit. I'm not going to eat the cupcake. I don't, I don't know. Cupcake. I I don't know about the whole puddle. I mean, I disagree with the whole puddle of shit characterization. And here's the, here's the thing. Here's what I would say about the movie as a whole. 
They knew going into this, uh, and Kevin Smith said it countless times, like, this is the dumbest premise for a movie you could possibly make. The, make, the creation of the movie is a stunt. But... I follow a videographer uh, online who I'm a, I'm a fan of, and he did a stunt once where he said, you know what, I'm going to make a little film. And because the people in, in the video industry are so preoccupied with gear, I'm going to make it with a Barbie camera, like a, a camera built into a Barbie from like 1998 or something like that. And he did, and he made a little thing, and it was cute, whatever. I feel like here Kevin Smith is like, all right, the – the joke is that this is the worst fucking premise for a movie ever. But that's the joke, and we're going to try to make the best movie we can <laughs> with I don't, that premise. I think you're off, though. He, like, you didn't listen to the podcast, did you? No. He, he, he wasn't saying it was the worst movie uh, idea. He thought it was crazy. He was into it. I mean, right, Stephen, wasn't your impression that they were enjoying this idea? They thought it was outlandish for sure, but I don't yeah. think the, the, the intention was ever, let's make the worst movie, you know, or that this was the worst idea. Well, and Kevin Smith can afford to make a movie like this, right? And take a yeah. swing like that just for shits and grins and to get the rest of us talking about it. Like, I don't, this movie would not have gotten made if, like, we came up with the same concept in the podcast because we're not millionaires. Well, right? yeah, like, I mean, he's talking yeah. on the podcast about how he's going to talk to his pal Bob Weinstein <laughs> yeah. about this mm -hmm. idea and what's Bob going to say and what Bob's going to say about it. He's doing his impression of, of Bob. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, like, I, I feel like you're casting this as kind of like a great creative risk that was taken, Chris, and that I also no, just kind of disagree with that premise. Not a not a risk, but I, I think that like it doesn't feel like a trollish movie. It felt like they were like the joke the joke is that it's the it's a it's a such a bizarre concept but they are gonna play it as close to straight as they can sort of um i, I don't know maybe that's not the right way to describe it but i felt like listen you're gonna laugh i watching this movie i felt like i was in the hands of a master filmmaker <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. But I was like the the direction of this thing, the scenes, the acting, this is all top shelf and the only thing that's weird and shitty about this movie is that it's about a guy turning into a walrus. But I was like it's almost like a con it's almost like a constraint. Like, hey, like, you know, here's what you have to do. We're going to you have to make a movie about a guy who turns into a walrus and they're like, "All right, well, great. We're just going to do it as as faithfully as we can and with as much artistry as we can, given that constraint. That's fine for like a 48 hour film festival, but for yeah. like a feature movie, I, I, I yeah, like I'm sure they had fun making it. I'm glad you had fun watching it, but but I I, I certainly did. I felt like it was a completely pointless exercise. I, I you know I, I'm all right. I'm gonna push start pushing back here because you I want to know. I, I invite I, you to. I want to know what doesn't work or is so offensive in this movie more so than in a in a boilerplate you know slasher or abduction movie because I get that like okay so you can't really hang your hat on a character in this. I did eventually. I did really get invested in 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 Howard how the michael parks character uh, but i get that they're unsympathetic characters but there's all sorts of movies with unsympathetic characters and then you know he gets kidnapped and it's basically like a, oh he's been kidnapped what's gonna happen movie we've seen that stuff before like i just other than the obnoxious humor that you 
rubbed you the wrong way because you saw it as a surrogate of Kevin Smith himself. I'm wondering what rubbed you the wrong way about this movie so much compared to all the other movies we watch on Netflix that are just kind of formless and bad. I'm not sure who you're addressing, but I, I want to uh, try and, and defer to Stephen and Allison because I feel like it's been mostly you and me taking up all the air in the room so far. But oh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm happy. Wanna... I'm happy to answer the same questions at some point. But I want to want to sit down and shut the fuck up for a minute. <laughs> Allison, I, I'm going to throw it to you in a sec. But Chris, I will say, and I know you're not trying to cast aspersions or anything, but I I do not see that character as a one to one to Kevin Smith. But the humor is douchey in the way that his humor is and he just didn't punch it up enough to make it entertaining i guess or, or to to i don't i i don't know there's something really missing from this that that i i can't put my finger on and i i, I have humanity fun with i'd volunteer the, humanity is what's missing from this <laughs> sure i love i i i'm not a huge fan of slashers but the ones i enjoy have a level of a level of camp and almost a level, but also like a level of sincerity to them on some, uh, in, in some way that I don't know, that, that just makes me, makes me laugh, makes me smile. feels like there's a human touch. This felt like it was made by an algorithm in a way. Mm -hmm. It felt like, like if, if we used, if if we had, you know, fed that podcast episode into open AI, this is what it would come (laughs) up with. Allison, I want to hear everything about how you feel about Chris's statement. I don't really I don't feel convicted really one way or another. I went in with really low expectations. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought that the that Howard's character was really well developed. I thought he was a brilliant choice of of, uh, of an actor. Um, I loved him in all the Grindhouse movies. Like you said, uh, was it Chris that our parents grew up watching him? We know him from Tarantino stuff. Um, that's how I knew him. And he's, he's a brilliant guy. He plays this role extremely well. Um, my toxic trait is thinking I could, I could walk into that house under the same, you know, pretense and, uh, and win this guy over because he was like, you know, his stories were gripping and, uh, and Wallace was, was genuinely intrigued, you know, I mean, he was, uh, he was engaged with him and he was complimentary of him. Wallace is Justin Long. We should note that because we haven't named his character yet. (laughs) Wallace, which is hilarious. LOL, yeah. Wallace the Walrus. That's fucking Um, hilarious. Why are you rolling your eyes at that? Get out of here. That's so dumb. Great. It's genius. That is genius. 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 (laughs) To pick a name that sounds like Walrus, a guy who turns into a walrus and has a walrus mustache, that's genius. That's okay. funny to me. That's funny to me. If it's not hey, funny not to gonna, you, I don't know what the fuck is funny to you. I'm not going to yuck your yum, you know. We're not <laughs> All right. We're not fighting. Especially there's a, each other. <laughs> there's a part there's a part in this movie where where his girlfriends looking for him and crying out for him in the forest and I ran this back 10 times. It's hard because there's a Michael Parks voiceover going over the same montage and like, you know, ambient noise inconclusive but i'm pretty sure that she calls out walrus instead of wallace <laughs> that would be funny if this movie really went there and it, it doesn't oh yeah well, I, we, I agree yeah it was sorry kind of allison I, I interrupted you and then we started no, yelling about fine. wallace <laughs> it's totally fine i just feel like it was neither here nor there which you guys have, have kind of said uh on your own you know it wasn't straight horror it wasn't straight comedy it was sort of like 
you know, what I got out of it was like, we've all heard and seen these ridiculous podcasters that, you know, like do unspeakable things and, um, you know, go into the, the, the suicide forest in Japan and, mm -hmm. and film someone actually hanging and they're fucking terrible people. You know, this was very much in the vein of that, which is very much topical. You know, it's like the, the world we live in now. Um, so, you know, I think he did, like Steven said, you know, this guy has the money to make a whatever film. And that's, that was my takeaway. It wasn't, I don't think it was pretending to be any more highbrow than it was. I think it was just, he was having a laugh and liked this story and had the money to do something with it. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally the most charitable thing I can say about this is that it's not for me and it's not for Steven. It's for listeners of the Smodcast and the, however many people kickstarted this, and I'm sure they're pleased as punch, you know, but it's it's just wild that simultaneously this person has the visibility and the connections mm -hmm. to get this a wide release to the point where, you know, we'd all heard about it and knew the concept of it. Um, you know, it it's almost it's almost an upsetting use of his degree of power, frankly. I agree with that. It felt and like this was rubbing our said. faces. Yeah. Sorry, Allison. But it, it felt like when this came out, like I remember being so put off by like, I love cult movies. I love weird ass shit that's made sometimes just for fun in a backyard. But it was, yeah, like the use of his clout and his visibility to put this really stupid kind of at times undercooked premise in like some mainstream cinemas. I mean, he got A24 to distribute it. Like it at least like played like, you know, the state theater, like places where it was kind of accessible. And, and it felt almost like it became a game of like, oh, have you seen Tusk yet? It's so fucked up. It's yeah. so edgelordy. And that's that's off putting to me. I like it when these things kind of emerge in a cult status organically, you know? Yeah. All right, Chris, I want to engage with you on the the uh, kind of the character type of point. Like, yeah, there are a lot of movies out there that have no likable character to hang your hat on. But the ones that work for me are the ones that are using that to say anything. Yeah, this movie has nothing to say and it's not alone there are tons of movies out there that I've watched that have no likable characters in them like a very obvious analog uh, for this one for me is Human Centipede I fucking hate that movie for the exact same reason there's no one to like in it it r rolls around in gruesomeness for no real reason for an hour and a half and it's over and you feel like shit I, I dislike this for the same reason. It's just, to me, it just feels inhumane. And I can even compare that to like a fucking, you know, Saw comes up too often on this podcast, but I can even compare it to Saw where like, I kind of get at least where Jigsaw's coming from. I have some sympathy for what he's going through. There's some point to the fucking movie. There's even like some boneheaded moral point being made. Like there's something to hang my head on there with this. It's just, it's, so empty and soulless and i just feel like a piece of shit after watching it both times so that that's my response Damn. to your you kind of questioning that that uh that point allison right. did you feel like a piece of shit after watching this no i felt <laughs> like it was a little bit of a waste of my time but also what the fuck else am i doing <laughs> it's a horror movie i'll watch I mean, any of them you know yeah i i would agree with that i would i would agree that it doesn't have a point it doesn't have a theme it doesn't move the arc of human progress forward at all but what the hell else am i going to do with my time because i really enjoy on a scene to scene basis i enjoyed 
almost every scene in this movie. I was wrapped, frankly, with almost every scene in this movie except for wrapped. one. There was one scene that I said, this is bullshit. I feel like I know what scene, and we're holding it back to the spoiler room. We've decided that the appearance of a particular actor is a spoiler, and we're holding that to the spoiler room. I have a quick question. Yeah. Did anybody else think, and this was a total red herring, I think, so of course I'm I'm sure everybody else thought this, that the girlfriend and the fellow podcaster set him up, that this was a setup by them? Oh, yeah. Working in cahoots with with Howard? Yeah, because there's a moment where the girlfriend's giving some confessions and there's a man in the room with her and we don't know that she's having an affair with Haley Joel Osment at that time. So it looks like, oh, maybe she's feeding him to Howard Hall or whatever. But right. You mean just like early on, though, Allison, right? Because yeah. to me, it became clear as, as things went along that they were shocked by this and did not set yeah. it up. It was pretty early on, but even their shock wasn't believable i don't know if there was some kind of weird disconnect there for me like they weren't they were they were so distraught that this had happened that he had been kidnapped or whatever but were they (laughs) i don't know they seem pretty upset to me i mean mean, obviously he just found finds howard's like number in a bathroom because also uh, talking about fucked up humor but the original reason he goes to canada is to go see a kid who cut his own leg off making a YouTube video and who by the time he gets there has killed himself, which is supposed to be funny. Yeah, that's not funny. It's not funny. I don't, it's, it's supposed uh, to be funny. It's a little darkly comic, but I don't think that their their attitude towards this kid is condoned at all in the No, in the movie. I'm with Chris on this. Like, I think it's meant to be, yeah, it's it's dark humor that is supposed to further illuminate how shitty Justin Long is because he's upset. He's like the kid couldn't have waited one more fucking day to kill himself. You know, it's just it's yeah. supposed to be sort of char- character insight development, but it's still kind of shitty. Yeah. They're going well, up I there think- to exploit the fuck out of this kid. And he gets up there and realizes at the end of his trip that the kid has killed himself because of all the hubbub around them. I think releasing the video, right? Yeah, well, yeah. And the, yeah, it's true. And and yeah, I guess if there's any sort of like emerging theme that develops throughout this movie, it's that like Justin Long goes from exploiting people to being exploited himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they definitely set him up to they they do all every time he's obnoxious. I I am damn sure you're supposed to think he's obnoxious. Every time he's making a Kevin Smith joke, you're supposed to think it's obnoxious. Yeah. And it was that very sets, overt. Yeah, and it sets you up to not be that bothered by the fact that he's turned into a walrus. Correct. Allison, what were you going to say? <laughs> I, I, we're, uh, Patrick was talking about the lack of humanity in the movie, and I actually, surprising to no one, I kind of liked his girlfriend's character because she did have a little bit of humanity. You know, she was like genuinely sure. trying to help make him a better person and help him see, yeah. you know, like, like when he was off to Canada to see Katana Kid or Kill the Kill Bill Kid, they called him. Um, she was like, "That's not funny, you know. Like this isn't you're exploiting people." She was the one somewhat voice of morality and reason um, in a room with a bunch of other douchey guys. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, she's probably the most likable <clears throat> character in, in it, but I still struggled with her because she's also like cheating on and is yeah. literally in bed with his his co-host who's doing the same dumb shit as him. So I don't know. I like I, I mean, it's not it's also fucking thinly written. Like you're you know, yeah. like you're not even what are you supposed to do with any of this, you know? But <laughs> let's talk a little let's talk a little bit about Canada. 
because oh god yeah this movie takes place in canada and it has a i thought a very interesting sense of humor about canada in which <laughs> it's definitely making fun of canada in some of the tired ways that we've seen before, like, oh, they say a boot up here. But again, like those jokes are coming from Justin Long, who's the obnoxious American. But then there's another joke below that, which is like in, Ke- in the Kevin Smith universe, Canada is like a place where all kinds of fucked up shit might happen. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of a interesting spin to put on it. And this is, I guess, the first in a trilogy of films that <laughs> Kevin Smith has on the docket about Canada. And the second one is Yoga Hosers, which I think was a horror movie on Netflix that we haven't gotten to yet. Starring a bunch um, of characters from this movie, like Lily Rose yes, Depp and, and yeah. his kid are back in it, who we haven't mentioned, Kevin Smith's kid, Harley Quinn, and Lily Rose Depp play a, a couple of kind of... Uh, I guess, snotty uh, convenience store teenage girl clerks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing is like Canada, Canada sucks. All the, all the, all the humor is Canada sucks to the point where I was like, wait, is Kevin Smith Canadian? He's not. Yeah. It plays like a Canadian making fun of like Canada, but it's, a Jersey guy deciding he's going to spend an entire movie shitting on Canada. At the same time, he said that uh, he feels like he's an honorary Canadian and that Jersey and Canada have a lot of things in common because they both kind of live in the shadows of obnoxious, like next door neighbors An honorary for whatever Canadian. that's worth. Yeah. That's like when Tarantino said he was an honorary brother. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith. Did, oh, Kevin Smith did live in Canada for a bit. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's got that's the relevant note to add there. But that's that's why I brought it up. It was interesting to me because, like, yes, the whole movie is shitting on Canada, but it does so in a way where it feels like it's done with love in a very weird way that I couldn't quite put my finger on. But it didn't feel. it, It felt like. It felt cozy. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll co sign that because, as I said, it felt to me like a Canadian making fun of Canada. But I, you know, I am. But there's a, there's also an element to this of like Canadians sort of poking fun at the superiority that Americans feel toward Canada. Sure. Right? Like it goes both ways. I don't think there's really ever like a clear thesis in here, but No. Yeah. Clear thesis on anything for that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> on brand. So I I want to I want to discuss one of the main things that boggles me about this movie, especially in light of Chris saying he was wrapped at every scene and thought the structure and, and craft of this was so on point. In the in the podcast in the Smodcast episode that inspired this, um, Kevin Smith actually says we can't do that horror thing where you keep cutting back to the real world all the time and showing like how people are you know responding to what's happening to this guy like that's boring it's shitty it's dumb this should just be the guy the two guys the walrus guy and the guy trying to make a walrus um, and one of the most bizarre things to me about this is one he he blatantly broke. <laughs> 
<laughs> that idea oh, yeah. that he set up. And two, it's, it is indeed one of the worst things about the movie is that there's nothing here. It's, it's thin as fuck, so you have to pad it out. So he keeps going back to, you know, again, why is the girlfriend cheating on him with Haley Joel Osment? Because he needs padding. Why do we have this uh, side plot with uh, an actor who we're not going to mention until the spoiler room late in the game? He needs to pad it out. Like, there's so much shit where he keeps going back to, you know, leaving Howard Howe's house to... Well, that's a... Howard Howe's house. I like that. Um, to stretch this motherfucker out, and it is so fucking boring and dull in exactly the way that he described that it would be. <laughs> I, I I clocked this, too. There were n- numerous times. Again, it's been over a week, so I can't point to specific examples. No, I, I think I can think of one, actually. There are numerous times where like he shows us a scene we've already seen all the way through, <laughs> yeah. but then extends it to show us something new that also isn't that consequential. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, like, I'd be fine if this movie was under 90 minutes. That'd yep. be okay with me, but he's not yeah. content to let that be. Yeah. Or, you know, make the 48-hour film version of this where it's a fucking 10-minute movie about a guy who goes to see a weird dude and you have your excuse to do a big, ugly, gross walrus suit effect and goodbye, you know? I just yeah. There's so much unnecessary material in here and all uh, you know chris uh your 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 time to respond now because obviously you disagree uh well no i agree that i agree it just i enjoyed it and i was having so much fun with it and i was just i felt on the same psychic level as the movie enough that i didn't mind that it was you know breaking breaking some rules and things like that and i i do like movies and I've almost thought about writing a couple of them where it's like the first half is one thing and then there's a midpoint and then the second half is something totally different. And we're going to like, you know, follow a new character now. And I mean, like, I mean, that's that's been psycho is, is that barbarian sort of thing, also know? with Justin Long. I haven't seen that yet, but um, yeah, I, I, I do. I do like that sort of formula and once once he becomes walrus i don't need to look at that there's uh, post walrus walrus is a lot less interesting to me than virtually anything else you could put on the screen so i was like okay well here's a new character who's like drawing me in in a weird way (laughs) and we're gonna have a little bit of a procedural now and I, i i like that what can i say so I don't think it's breaking any rules necessarily. I, I disagree, actually, with his fundamental uh, idea in the podcast episode that that's boring when it happens in a horror movie. I just think you can do that right and you can do it wrong. And not only did he set out to not do that, but then he did the bad version of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it didn't bother me is all I can say. Yeah. I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Well, let's talk about. I feel like we're about gas before we finally reveal who the fuck cameos in this. But I at least want to talk about the walrus itself, like kind of the concept, like how this is, it's disgusting, obviously. And I was actually sort of surprised that they didn't linger more over sort of the creation of it, like the surgical procedure that went into this. Just he's laying on a operating table his arms have been sewed to his sides and in the next scene he's in a giant walrus suit made of human walruses who have come and failed before him 
I'm yeah, glad it's, a, it's a it's a big flesh suit. He's got tusks that are like surgically screwed into his upper palate. The functionality of it is very confusing to me because for the most <laughs> part, it just seems like a it's a fat skin suit that like the rest yeah. of his body is in. Like it's not like he has like walrus internal organs or anything. Right. He's just a human body that's been mutilated with a with a big flabby suit thrown over it it's utterly disgusting looking even though it looks cheap as fuck yeah it's still just i i I still just hated to see it felt cursed for having seen it yeah for any length of time yeah especially in wide shots where he's just kind of like bopping up and down on the edge of the pool making weird walrus noises like who, who needs that yeah I don't think I felt as shocked as I thought I would when like the final reveal. And I think you're right, Patrick, that there wasn't really enough emphasis on the like surgery itself because, you know, when they, when the final reveal of his, him as a walrus, uh, they kind of zoomed out and I was kind of like, meh, okay, gross. There's an ear on his back. Like, right. <laughs> can well, <he> swim? <laughs> right. And I feel weird almost for like, I guess, asking for this because I think this is disgusting enough and unnecessary enough in the first place. But I guess to me, it almost feels like uh, kind of wimping out on your central concept. It's like, okay, you're doing the movie about the guy who gets put in the walrus suit. Like, go balls to the wall. Show me how this suit gets put together. Show me more of the surgical procedure whatever you know it just and again it goes back to like he's padding it out with all this other shit back outside of howard's house you know you're doing the walrus movie give me the walrus movie i guess you know i i don't know i i I guess it's i want to have it both ways because i'm fundamentally saying i want less of this and more of it but it's it's just because it shouldn't exist in the first place. well i mean it's 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 bullshit right like it's the same reason spider-man makes his suit in a montage because (laughs) you can't actually do this so the more you see of it the the less you're going to be able to suspend your disbelief probably um i think that's what it comes down to and then also the more you see of it the more you're gonna it's gonna turn into a human centipede type of movie yeah which i which i guess for you you already thought it was i i thought this movie had a lot more charm and heart and humanity than the human centipede but mm. wow charm is such an interesting word to attach to this movie. <laughs> well, i was hugely charmed by this movie yeah that's so fascinating to me chris all right well i feel like uh it's about time to go down to the spoiler room and reveal the, the very few spoilers that we have on this movie because i mean it's the movie where a guy gets turned into a fucking walrus you know I mean, what else is there to say um but before we go down there as usual we're going to review it with a view it cue it or screw it chris our top tusk fan in the house today what do you say I say view it, and I, I I really like this movie, and it was a special treat because it's sort of in the same category as Creep 2 and some other movies we've watched for this program, where it's a movie I absolutely never would have watched if I weren't forced to watch it, and I ended up liking it a lot. And I've already recommended it to some people. I I mean, I respect y'all's different reads on the tone of this movie and the sense of humor and, and, and everything. Um, maybe I was seeing what I wanted to see, but it was just my type of dark comedy. I was thought I was on its level completely. I thought most scenes of this movie were 
funny or if not funny like there's a scene when he wakes up and his legs been sawn off and he's like where's my phone and the guy's like the doctor came and took all the phones out of the house because you're not to be disturbed (laughs) and he plays it so fucking straight and justin long's response is like so perfectly acted. There's no irony in it. There's no winking in it really. It's just like the response you would have if that happened where you're like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? Very like just moments like that. I just thought were so magical <laughs> in this movie. Um, my only, my only criticism or, or my only frustration is that I think Kevin Smith in this movie displays a shit ton of filmmaking craft and i'm not sure he's ever tried to use it on anything that wasn't winky or juvenile in one way or another he has chasing amy check out chasing amy that's the like the one mature and really smart film that he's made okay that's the one that made it into the criterion collection yeah (laughs) okay yeah it's it's a it's a bizarre outlier it's like it's just that movie where you go dude you can do this and you're doing this you know yeah but i feel the same way i mean i thought about tarantino a lot on watching this movie because of these long monologue scenes and stuff and i'm like tarantino's the same way he's a fucking master of his craft who just keeps stepping in his own way because he likes to be the edgelord or he likes to have the joke um so it's a it's a thing that's out there but uh i i I was really impressed by this movie and i thought it was about the best execution you could have of a silly movie like like this um and i would say if you have that kind of sense of humor if the premise sounds like something that intrigues you at all you should check it out uh, patrick <laughs> counterpoint <laughs> screw it with prejudice fuck it screw it damn it moving on i, I can't elaborate any more than i already have what just one of the fuck it i hate it one yeah uh, allison <laughs> Oh, you know, I was thinking that I hadn't had a screw it yet since I've been guesting with you guys uh, and that this would be my first one, but it wasn't. So <laughs> this is screw it for me. But so is Skinnerink, which I remember Chris loving. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Well, you're, I, I was ambivalent about Skinnerink. So, Were you? so Mandela effect on that one. Maybe it but, is a Mandela effect. But, but we didn't I, review I that. We, my... didn't, we didn't really review that. So that doesn't count. So this can be your That's first. That's true. That's true. We just touched on that one. Um so I'm a, I'm a screw it. I don't have a lot more to add. I feel like it was, you know, I didn't know this film existed before this podcast episode. I, I was better off for it. You know, <laughs> it wasn't, it didn't offend me in a whole lot of ways. Again, I, you know, don't regret the way I spent that hour and 43 minutes, but you know, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who I liked. So it's a screw it for me. Steven. This might be the first time that I hoped there was a category below screw it. <laughs> For a movie. <laughs> this movie was a piece of shit and it made me feel like one for having seen it. <laughs> and that's all. Damn. None of you guys will inherit the kingdom of Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to go down to the spoiler room and uh, wrap up this discussion. Uh, but before we do, as always, I will encourage you to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amoncast. That's E-H-M-O-N-Cast. 
Uh, also check out our lovely Discord community. There's a link to it in the show notes. We have uh, awesome uh, listeners and fans from all over the world chiming in there on the movies we watch, the podcast, and also all kinds of horror that has nothing to do with our podcast. It's a really great time. Steven has a horror book club out there where there's a different uh, horror book of the month uh, every month. And we would love to have you join us out there. Uh, also, what am I forgetting? What's the other thing? Oh yeah. Go to your podcast provider of choice and rate review us. Uh, we love to see the feedback and it helps people find the show. All right. Should we head on down to the, uh, the swimming, swimming pool, spoiler, spoiler swimming spoiler pool, lagoon. <laughs> spoiler lagoon, <laughs> spoiler lagoon. <laughs> we'll see you down there. Bring some mackerel. All right, welcome back. We have stocked up on mackerel, and we are floating around in the spoiler lagoon <laughs> in Michael Parks's house. We're here to spoil everything about Tusk, and the number one spoiler we have for you is, hey, Johnny Depp's in this movie. Because who doesn't love a surprise Johnny Depp? <laughs> Johnny Depp is in this fucking movie, and so he's introduced at, like, the hour mark, and he plays a French Canadian investigator who meets up with uh, our hero's girlfriend and co-podcaster as the two of them try to find Justin Long, the Tusk Boy. The Tusk Boy. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Johnny oh, Depp. Yeah, he's giving a bizarre performance, and he's also wearing a prosthetic nose that, at least in my case, made him made me completely face blind to him for about fifteen minutes. Oh no, Chris, that, that was that was Roy Kinnear. Johnny Depp comes <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. No, I no shit. Did did everyone else have him pegged right away or or no, I, I did because, I did because I knew it was he was in it. Yeah, like it, this was marketed as Johnny Depp was in it, which is why I thought it was silly that we were holding this for the spoiler room. But I mean, I yeah, he is that. somewhat unrecognizable. I missed well, Chris, that. Yeah, yeah. Having having known nothing about the film, like I said, going into it, I was with you. I I was face blind as well. Did you figure it out on your own, or did you have to look it up like I did? Uh, no, the person I watched the movie with said, is that Johnny Depp? All right. All right. So you had someone a little less less naive than, than us. Oh, so did you, side. like, have a surprise when the credits rolled, Chris? No, I'm I'm there, and I'm like, I know I've fucking seen this guy in something before. <laughs> and I'm like, it's driving me crazy. I'm like, who is this? I swear this? this guy was in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. <laughs> I'm like I, I I'm like who the fuck Matt is this Nicholson? guy? Why does this guy seem so familiar? What the fuck? I know I've seen is this is this not Elias Codius? Who is this? And I'm so, like all right, I'm going to look it up and then Letterbox tells me it's fucking Johnny Depp himself. Um do you think that they're buddies like Kevin Smith and Johnny Depp because Yes, a, I can tell you the whole story. Okay, because my questions were, and I'm glad that you can answer them. How did he afford that? <laughs> right, because it's a low budget um, movie. Yeah, and B, both of their daughters were in the movie, so they were both the clerks, right, at the, mm -hmm. the Canadian clerks yeah. at the convenience store. So there was, yeah, a lot of things pointing to like they have an outside, like a relationship off screen. 
Yeah. So I watched a video of Kevin Smith where he explained the whole situation. Kevin Smith's daughter is was friends and went to school with Johnny Depp's daughter. That's kind of what I guessed. And so the two of them knew each other and were friendly and would see each other, but never brought up work. We're just, he was just a guy, right? They were just, they were just bros. And Kevin Smith originally wanted Quentin Tarantino to play this guy. Oh God. I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. I read that too. Oh no. And that's why the one scene I don't like, which is the gratuitous scene between Johnny Depp and Michael Parks. Part of the reason that's there is because he thought Tarantino would enjoy acting opposite Michael Parks. Tarantino told him to go fuck himself for some reason. (laughs) He said he wasn't interested in acting at the time, which is a nice way of saying go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So Kevin Smith's panicking because he doesn't have an actor. His financier is starting to panic because you told me Tarantino was going to be in this movie. That was going to be sort of key to like getting asses in seats for this movie. Big box office draw. Tarantino in an acting performance. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Smith has texted Johnny Depp. And I mean, listen, we've all seen Johnny Depp's texts by now. They're usually not something you want to read. Johnny Depp says... I'm really interested in that. I got this other project, but if you, especially if you can do those two days in LA and not the Carolinas where they shot the rest of the movie, then, uh, then we can make that happen. And he, he did it as a favor to Kevin Smith and it was, they didn't send him a contract or anything. He probably worked for either free or, or a union minimum. And uh, they shot his hearts in happened. two days. Yes. Wow. And 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 it cost two hundred thousand dollars, and Kevin Smith was about to pay it out of his own pocket if the financier uh, wasn't gonna put it up or was nervous about putting it up. But yeah, that that's how that happened. And uh, apparently, Johnny Depp's agent was like, he loves it, and like people people don't offer this shit to Johnny Depp anymore, and he misses it because he likes doing weird stuff. He likes doing smaller parts, and. You know, no, everyone assumes they can't afford them, so they don't call them. So, and and I gotta say, listen, I, I don't like Johnny Depp professionally or personally for various reasons, but he charmed me with this performance. I was like, I appreciate an actor that caliber who's willing to like kind of step down and poke fun at himself and be weird a little bit. Uh, That's every Johnny Depp performance though. Like that. What Mm. what was that fucking, what's the movie where he plays like the investigator who does like the 17 different roles. Like the entire persona of Johnny Depp is crafted around doing quirky characters. And this one, I guess I'll give more of a pass it, I, I guess I found it more interesting than some of his rogues gallery of quirky characters, but uh, it still just lands like more padding to me. I don't know. Well, yeah. sure, padding, yeah. But I thought I liked that that was it was downbeat, and it was like I, I thought I wasn't supposed to recognize him. If they were marketing the movie with him, that's another matter. But but I was I was like, who is this guy? Oh, here's like a and he's just an invisible bit player in this movie. Um, I like that. 
This Mort, performance is insane. It's Mordecai. It's, that was the movie I was trying to think oh of. Oh, God. Uh, Mordecai. Mordecai. This performance is like 10 hats stacked on top of each other, <laughs> which is which is like pretty much what he has done post, I want to say, Ed Wood, because we have to remember Johnny Depp used to be a great fucking actor. Yeah. Yeah. He used to be very exciting and very committed to his roles. He would blend in a, in a way that felt natural for the character and not like, hey, let's see if you can pick Johnny Depp out of this lineup. Like every every yeah. fucking thing else he does anymore but i thought it was i did think it was amusing i think his role is a little bit too large for what this movie is again with the padding he does get the funniest scene the only time i laughed in this movie which i'll get to at some point is it the post credit scene there's a post credits there is a post credit scene in which johnny <laughs> depp regrets having eaten too many sliders at the canadian white castle because he like has to shit in the woods on michael parks's property what yep. i missed that too okay yep. i think i will actually go back <laughs> that sounds like it could be hilarious <laughs> it's not (laughs) in like in like a it's funny it's his role is funny in like an adam sandler kind of way oh that's a perfect comparison seems like a character Mm. from adam sandler movie that's just like over the top weird and grotesque he's got you know one eye is off kilter he's got the big nose he's got the receding hairline he's an alcoholic he's just drinking in public he's got an unplaceable accent yeah I will say the most impressive thing about this performance is how he managed to make his one eye cross just a little bit occasionally. Good, good, good physical uh, work. Good, uh, good control of your eyeball there, Johnny. Pages and pages and pages of script from this guy. Yes. Talking about the whole methodology of the serial killer he's been tracking and, uh, and, and, and what happened to this missing hockey player. And, uh, oh, I, I remember the part, his joke about the first wives killer was pretty funny. <laughs> Did Ugh. you not think that was funny, Steven? I don't I remember didn't get it. that. Uh, yeah. But that's you- again, cause I watched this a while ago. Someone, someone asked asked him for some reason, like if there's any like sexual assault happening with his victims or something, and he's like, "No, in fact, we called him the first wives' killer because he doesn't let you talk, he doesn't let you leave the house, and he doesn't fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. The funniest scene, the funniest scene in the whole movie to me, um, there. So they're trying to track, they're trying to figure out what happened to Justin Long, figure out where he is. Turns out Justin Long had borrowed at the, where, where the yoga hosers are, their little convenience store. Um, he, he borrows, or he's, he's on his phone and he needs to borrow a pad of paper to write down the address to where he's going. So Johnny Depp amazes everyone by pulling out a pencil <laughs> and in tracing on the piece of paper to get the address and everyone is just wrapped with attention like oh my god this guy's really good and i'm thinking <laughs> they they did that in the big lebowski and then someone says they did that in the big lebowski and i laughed so hard well yeah and then johnny depp says yeah that's where i got it from yeah <laughs> that was genuinely hilarious and i wish the rest of the jokes in this movie had landed that well i don't feel like i can even remember laughing m- no more than maybe one time in this movie i did not laugh one time either time i watched this movie like Chris recalling 
his the reasoning for calling it the word the first wife's murderer and then your both of your recalling was funnier than the movie <laughs> i just laugh now i didn't well, laugh during the movie. it's easy to zone out during that scene because it's just like him talking up virtually to camera for minutes and minutes yeah I I fully registered that joke both times, and I just thought it was misogynistic and stupid. Well, I mean, you talk about filler, you talk about padding. I mean, the thing I liked about this movie, and it's it's so largely built around these long monologues by Michael Parks and then later Johnny Depp. And I was so riveted by both those performances. I didn't care. It's like James Cameron said about the way of water. If you like what you're doing, let's just hang out for a minute. Let's let's let it breathe. Well, you know, not everything has to have a fucking point. So what you saw as filler, I saw as entertainment. I said, that's entertainment, baby. And I had my popcorn. <laughs> I threw it up in my mouth and I threw it up and caught it with my mouth. That's that's good. That's That displays almost as much talent as Johnny Depp making one of his eyes cross. <laughs> yeah. We, Were I, there any other spoilers? Um, I mean. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Justin Long becomes a walrus. Like, because, well, like, hold- what? What? We gotta talk about. We gotta explain why he became a walrus. Okay, yeah. Why did he become a walrus? Michael Parks used to be a mariner, and oh, he was yeah. marooned on a rocky outcrop, and his life was saved by a walrus. And he befriended this walrus, and he's never felt love and companionship like that ever since. Add to this the fact that when Michael Parks was a boy, he was in what I think is a real life orphanage. It is real. Scam. I looked this up. <laughs> I looked this up. Yeah, we uh, should we should tell life- we should tell a friend of ours, Chris. You know who about this? Yes, uh, a real life orphanage sca- scandal where he was horribly physically and sexually abused for his entire childhood <laughs> in this orphanage, and so Michael Parks not Which, only okay. Loves this- I just want to register this for a minute too. Like the historical details of this are insane. The conservative prime minister of uh, premier, sorry, of of Quebec at the time. Uh, had the the province build a bunch of insane asylums, essentially, instead of orphanages, because they could get more money from the Canadian federal government for them. And so then he essentially had a bunch of kids, uh, orphans who should have gone to orphanages and been cared for differently, treated as if they had a mental illness and sent to insane asylums where they were horribly abused, which is Holy just shit. an insane insane true life historical scandal i was gonna say is that true it is true yeah look it up the the (laughs) duplessis duplessis orphans d-u-p-l-e-s-s-i-s named for maurice duplessis who served as premier of quebec for five non-consecutive terms between 36 and 59 Anyway, so, sorry chris didn't mean to derail i just thought when i when i read about that i was like this is so egregious and insane and i just wanted to share the the historical details of that because some of them he he shares in the monologue in the movie but it's it's very real very fucked up it is egregious and insane yeah i'm not sure how i feel about it being recapped in such a darkly (laughs) oh me same same in a movie about (laughs) 
someone who gets turned into a fucking walrus. Yeah. Like that's such a I that's such a rich story for lack of a better word that deserves yeah. better treatment than this. But yes. anyway, so Michael Parks then not only loves the walrus but he hates all of humanity because of that experience. So he's like, "Yes, you should uh, people should be walrus, you should be walrus." He's been doing this time and time again. But what he didn't tell you, and like, because we see other dead walrus bodies in the enclosure, et cetera. What he didn't tell you is that he actually killed his friendly walrus to eat him. He betrayed and murdered his <laughs> walrus friend the day before he was rescued by his ship. So it was a murder in vain that he's felt guilty for all this time. And so now to atone from this, he turns people into walruses and then he gives the walrus a chance to make up for the murder by giving them a chance to kill him in walrus combat as he wears his own walrus suit. And at the end of the encounter, he will either kill the walrus he has created or if the walrus kills him, him, then that will be a true walrus. Right. Yep. And I was yeah. on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so he plays out this ritual with Justin Long. With Fleetwood Mac's Tusk playing in the background. Which of I course. have to say, at the, when I knew we were going to watch this movie, I was like, if they don't use that song, it's because they couldn't afford it. And I was happy to hear it. I was happy to hear it. I yeah. even, Chris and I were joking about making a, a fake spoiler room theme for this episode as well. And I was like, yeah, we could use the karaoke version of Tusk and write some lyrics about the movie. No, it's done. They used it. It's awesome. Yes. So Justin Long kills Michael Parks in walrus combat, just as his girlfriend, his best friend, and the investigator played by Johnny Depp kick in the door and yeah. see what he's become, see the horror. And, Johnny Depp raises a shotgun and we cut to black. One and year later. One year later, Justin Long, he's not dead. Did Johnny Depp pull the trigger? He did not. He's living Justin, at a fucking animal preserve. Justin Long's living at an animal sanctuary as a walrus. And Again, I thought this was fucking hilarious. I guess we just don't have the same sense of humor. The girlfriend and best friend show up on the one year anniversary and they throw him a mackerel as a treat. And the girlfriend says, I still love you, Wallace. Don't ever forget that or something. Well, Which- yeah, you cut back to this an- another lengthy fucking flashback of yes, them talking yes. in bed before he left on this journey while he's still a human and not a walrus. Oh. And she tells him this story about how like her grandfather or something said that if you cry, you're still a human or something like that. God, you know, yeah. what? let's all rack our brains wondering what the final shot of this movie is going to be <laughs> if Wallace the walrus is going to cry before she he leaves. sheds a tear well i was actually watching because i didn't know i think it's i think it works whether he sheds the tear or he doesn't maybe he is full walrus now who knows but yeah justin long sheds the tear as they walk away and you know that he's still he's still human he's still justin long in there damn to live as a walrus forever and I mean, what could be worse? What could be worse? Once you're fully a walrus, I'd rather just live in the enclosure as a walrus. I don't need my 
ex showing up and telling me <laughs> she still loves me and reminding me of the humanity I can never get back. That's hell. And it's such hell that I wonder if she's doing it deliberately because of all her beef with him that she's articulated through the rest of the movie. Uh, she seems sad and it's a, it's a ridiculously over the top maudlin melodramatic performance. Flawless, you know. But that's like, your did movie. The, do the people at the animal sanctuary know that he's a human walrus? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, they haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> They're just accepting him as a walrus with like human ear, ear parts and things on his body. <laughs> Yeah. Who could be easily taken That's out chill. of the suit with common tools? Probably. <laughs> Chris, did you think it? I bet you thought it was hilarious when Michael Parks raised a club to try and kill Wallace the Walrus. Uh, no, I don't, I don't recall that. I didn't, I didn't notice oh, that, okay. that, that, that. I missed That's that. one of those details you only pick up on when you see it a second time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, except it's not even funny because you club seals, not right. walruses. <laughs> Oh, anyways i'm pr- i'm pretty sure this is one of those examples where we've actually talked about the movie for its running time and i wish yeah. i had spent it's- the time watching tusk again <laughs> uh, what a you, sicko. you're gonna order that on blu-ray aren't you uh probably not i don't think it rises to that level but i do want to see that or i do i i mean i do want to share it with people going forward in life so could happen just can't so, believe you gave men a screw it and you gave Tusk a view. Well, so, and this kind of brings up the, the final point that comes to mind for me. Cause you know, I think just Chris using the word Mariner, which is, which is accurate um, kind of made me flash back to another recent movie, the lighthouse that we watched, which also just like Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith with Tusk, uh, Robert Eggers, the director said, I was just trying to make a vibes movie. I'm not trying to say anything deeper with it. And Steven and I were intensely on the vibe of that movie. And Chris, I think you were a screw it on that, right? Mm, uh, was I a screw it on the light? I think I was a, I think I was a cute. Okay. Well, you were not feeling the vibe. I, I didn't love it. Yeah. But it's just an interesting, interesting contrast to me. I guess the vibes that we, uh, that, that we vibe with, that we associate with and that we don't. Well, it'd be a boring world if we were all the same, wouldn't it? It, it sure would. Us, it'd be a boring that's podcast. Why one of us should be a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a smodcast if we all had the same opinions. Yeah, truly. All right. Well, see, the thing is, you can you can you can say whatever you want about <laughs> oh Kevin Smith. You can say whatever you want about Kevin Smith on a podcast because his fans are never going to get to your podcast because they got 10 Kevin Smith podcasts a week to listen to. He has a whole network. Yeah. Oh, does he? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Smodcast does not broadcast anymore, but he's got a few others. I I thought so because I kind of had a hell of a time trying to track down this episode. I had to watch it through somebody's uh, kind of sketchy looking Google Drive link (laughs) that I found on Reddit. Anyway, Stephen, uh, free us from this prison. What are we going to be watching next episode? I mean, aside from Tusk, the A24 podcast was a paradise, not a prison. Uh, we are going back to prison. We're going back to Netflix. <laughs> We're going back to our usual format. There is a glut of films that I would love to review on the show on Netflix right now. It seems like they've really beefed up their catalog to try and keep us subscribed while the strike has been going on. Um so, I think we can take credit for that too. <laughs> sure, why not? 
Um, so anyway, I, I narrowed it down to three movies and guys, I want to play a game. You've heard of the horror movie. You're next. This game is called what's next. And you're going to pick the next movie that we review as we return to the format. So the rules are not so simple. The game is incredibly stupid. (laughs) What the fuck, Steven? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have selected three movies that I would love to review for the podcast. I am going to read you the three adjectives for each film that Netflix Mm. gives in their description for the movie. Mm. Then I'm going to roll a die. Um, Numbers one through four. I love to sit while my friend explains a board game. (laughs) So, so I, there are four potential pieces of information that I will give you to accompany those adjectives. If I roll a five or a six, I'll re-roll. Then I will roll again. And one of you will be selected to ask a yes or no question about the movie based on those two pieces of information. If I roll a one or a two, it's Chris, a three or four, it's Patrick, a five or a six, it's Allison, even though you may or may not be on the next episode. If I don't know the answer to the question, because I have not seen two of these movies, and one of them I haven't seen in a very long time, you can ask one additional yes or no question, and there's no guarantee that I will know the answer to it. We're going to be oh, here for the for the running time of another Tusk. No, this will be you're quick. Setting, <laughs> you're setting a new standard here, Stephen, and I this'll, don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> this will be quick, and I can't believe I wasn't stoned when I came up with this. Okay. All right. So, let's, let's do the damn thing. All right. All right. So, uh, oh, yeah. So you'll all vote, and if, if there isn't a clear winner, then I will roll for the, like, the fourth vote, the tiebreaker. Okay. So first movie, Adjectives. Supplied by Netflix are ominous, scary, supernatural horror. And don't Love worry, I'll, I'll recap all these at the end. All right. So the four potential pieces of information you can get from me rolling the die are the MPAA rating, the runtime, the Metacritic score, and the year it was released. So first movie is ominous, scary, supernatural horror, and it's an hour and 38 minutes. Now to find out who can ask the yes or no question. Allison. Oh God. Um it can be anything. It could be is it a Netflix original movie? Is uh, it uh is there a big star in it? But it's gotta be yes or no. You're never gonna guess what the movie is, but this is how you're gonna decide which of these you're gonna vote for. I'm never gonna guess what the movie is, okay. Is it a James Wan film? No. <laughs> So I will write down not a James Wan film. And again, this is incredibly stupid, but I this is how I entertain myself. Uh, movie number two. Netflix adjectives are <laughs> ominous, scary, teen scream. And let's see what additional piece of information I can supply you with. I have to roll again and again. It's an hour and 32 minutes. To find out who can ask the yes or no question, it's Allison again. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Just asking if it's a James Bond film again. Uh, was it made in the? Was it made after two thousand ten? Yes. Okay. I mean, as as has eighty five percent of the Netflix catalog. Listen, Patrick. He didn't ask you, okay? That was a shot at Netflix, not you, dear. All right. Movie number three. 
Netflix describes it as gruesome, chilling teen screen. And the MPAA rated it TV mature. Oh, TV mature. I don't know if it's not the MPAA that does that, but whoever does the TV ratings. And Chris, you get to ask the yes or no question about movie number three, gruesome, chilling, teen scream, TV MA. Is it directed by Mick G? <laughs> not directed by Mick G. Okay. Oh, no, actually, that's a smart question because it could be the babysitter. Well, you have three movies to choose from. You each get a vote. Again, the die will be the tiebreaker. Movie number one, ominous, scary, supernatural horror, clocking in at an hour and 38 minutes. Movie number two, also ominous and scary, but it's a teen scream. It's an hour and 30. Oh, I'm sorry. The first movie is not a James Wan film. I forgot to highlight that. Movie number two is also ominous and scary. It's a teen scream this time. It's an hour and 32 minutes. We love to check those run times. And it was made after 2010. Movie number three, gruesome, chilling. It's another teen scream. It's TV mature. And it was not directed by Mick G. Let's hear your votes. Two. Three. Is a two. I want a gruesome and chilling teen scream. Patrick is a three. Allison, I was, I was going to go with one, a number between one and three. Everything up. I'm going to say one. You're going to say one. Okay. I will After roll the- all that. We go to the die. For the final decision. <laughs> we go to the die. The die is also a one guys. We're watching drag me to hell. Oh, no. Nice. Sam Ooh. Raimi. PG 13 okay. an hour, 38 minutes. Metacritic <laughs> score of 83 came on 2009. Not a James Wan film. Looking forward to that discussion, guys. Chris, you haven't seen this, I think, right? Didn't we talk? Oh, about- I've seen it. Oh, okay. Seen- I forget guys, who I was talking to who hadn't seen this. Guess who's in this fucking movie? Justin Long. Correct. Oh, oh yeah. my God, I forgot. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. the, the walrus. <laughs> Wallace. I'm so sorry. This feels right. like my fault. I feel like, we're here. I feel like I've rewatched this semi-recently, and I fucking love this movie. And it also reminds me that somebody, I forget which of you motherfuckers, still owes me my Darkman DVD back. It's not me. I gave it or to you. Or Darkman Blu-ray. Me. Did you say it might be you, Chris? Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be do you. you. Guys, do you guys, before we, before we wrap this up, do you want to hear what we could have watched? Yeah. We could have watched Black Christmas... From 2019, <laughs> or Killer Book Club from 2022, Metacritic score TBD. I've never heard of Killer Book Club. That sounds <laughs> amazing, though. <laughs> wow. All I right. Call your, that's what you should well, call damn. your book club, Steven. All right. I guess we'll be watching Drag Me to Hell. Thanks for that. Thank you for that jigsaw level complicated trap you just put us all through. I can think of like four or five saw traps I would rather be in than play that game again. (laughs) I would rather be turned into a walrus than play that game again. Well, you know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get the fuck out of here before we sit through the runtime of another Tusk. (laughs) For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. And our very special guests, Allison (laughs) with an eye. Thank you for having me once again, guys. See you in hell. (laughs) 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 I feel like that was a great game, Stephen.